VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I am pretty excited to show this to you. Um, yeah, this is me excited. There... <laughs> This is Surface Duo. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And we are back, baby. It's been two and a half years since the last Engadget Podcast, and a lot's changed since then. We have folding phones. Uh, 5G is actually starting to roll out. Uh, we're hoping to stick around for a while now. Uh, I'm up for it. Trillin is up for it. I will say good luck because my, my levels are like odd. The, the range is so small, my waveforms. If you want to get in touch with us, everything is the same. You can email us at podcastinggadget.com. If you want to send feedback or topics you'd like us to cover, subscribe to us on iTunes or your platform of choice. And as always, review us on iTunes because that is still the most important podcast platform for some reason. This week... We're getting to a big topic. Yeah, we went to the Microsoft Surface event last week, didn't we? We did. And I, you know, the whole time, I think a question was percolating in my mind. Is Microsoft making better PCs than Apple now? I I mean, that's a good question. I'd like to first point out that that sounds like a misnomer <laughs> because PCs are Windows machines. Come on. Oh, I mean, you know, a personal computer... <laughs> The original Mac was a personal computer. I think Apple's done a great job of like changing the language so that, oh, we're not just a PC. We're we're Apple. We're Macs. Um, yeah. What is up with Microsoft, Trillin? What's going on this week? So at that event that we were at, when we spent like basically four or five hours at... Um, yeah, Microsoft I live there, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Same. Microsoft unveiled a whole slew of new devices. Uh, we saw... I mean, I'll run you down really quickly, but I'll talk about the most interesting one after the surface neo and surface duo those were like dual screen laptops and phones that we saw uh we also saw a bunch of new surface pros surface laptop 3 surface earbuds so it was kind of like microsoft becoming the amazon of windows there's a surface PC. for everybody basically i feel like that's the main takeaway now pretty much but uh i will say i was super into the surface pro x which mm. i spent a bunch of time with it's the um, it's a really thin and light Surface Pro. I mean, if you think you've seen a Surface Pro, you know, and you think you know the way this one feels, think right. again. They've because... always been kind of chunky and a little too thick. Mm -hmm. Although I really like the design of the Surface Pro, but uh, yeah, even the, the there is a Surface Pro Seven this year. It hasn't changed much since last year. So what's yeah. up with the Pro X? The Pro X is really thin and light, like I said. Mm -hmm. But then also it uses a customized chip uh, that's, I think, a result of a collaboration between Microsoft and Snapdragon. Uh -huh. It didn't and really Qualcomm, come right yeah. out and say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's called the SQ1. Um, and it's an ARM-based processor. And we all know Microsoft's history with Windows on ARM. <laughs> it hasn't been too great. Uh, Sherlyn, I mean, you've been covering 
the whole Snapdragon and ARM thing for a while, the whole trend of like always on PCs, mm -hmm. which is something we've heard at Computex when we go to that event. Mm -hmm. But I don't th I don't feel like that that branding, that idea has translated into actual machines. It's just been kind of concept so far. To me, this seems like the, the best culmination of their everything they've been aiming for with those PCs. I, I would say they have the machines. They've just not been great. This this uh the Pro X is Windows taking ownership of the whole Windows on ARM or Windows on Snapdragon charge. And I'm super into the idea of always connected PCs. Don't get me wrong, like LTE everywhere you go, being able to buy stuff over eSIM, that's ridiculously cool mm -hmm. and convenient. Gotcha. And I think it's interesting that this is a pro machine because it is a Snapdragon processor. I would never... I'd never call a mobile processor mm -hmm. pro. I was expecting, we we heard inklings about this machine. I was expecting it to be like the Surface 4 or something, right? Because there hasn't been a straight up smaller Surface for a while. I guess not since the Go. The Go, yeah. Yeah, but this is, no, they're, they're straight up calling this pro. They're making this, um, yeah, something that basically competes with the Pro 7 and other top tier laptops. It's so weird, right? Like the naming makes it sound like this might be even more powerful than the Pro 7 because it's the Pro X. Pro X. I think the X just stands for that cool new design because it is, it's so thin. It's crazy it, light. Yeah. Or is it the Pro 10? You know Pro 10. I mean? Oh, I don't know. They're not the going to pull an Apple here. I hope not. Yeah. Um, Was there any, yeah. What else struck you about this machine? It looks really cool. I like where the stylus goes. It seems like a smart idea. I would say the stylus is part of the new signature keyboard cover. And that might be something you can get with a regular Surface Pro anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it uses the same ports. What did strike me, uh, again, my... Hands-on time was so limited, but I did play around with it. I launched a couple apps. They were fast. It didn't feel like there was an ARM emulator in between. So I'm intrigued. And I, I would say we'd have to get it in to test all the stuff we normally test before I can be like, this SQ1 chip really makes all the difference in right. performance. But for now, the design is what stands out. It's really thin and light. You guys, it's like half the size of a typical Surface tablet in terms of thickness. Gotcha. And what is interesting, too, is that the price, I think, is... It's a pro price. You're paying the full price of a laptop, right? Where does it start again? Nine ninety nine. That uh, is surprising. That's that's like a that's the price of a flagship phone, though. Think about yeah. it. Yeah, well, that's true. A flag, a super flagship phone, but also the price of like, you know, a, a dare I say, a real laptop, um, <laughs> or like any any laptop right now. It's just yeah. to me, my mind is trying hard to like compute the value of this. But if Apple's selling. You know, the iPad Pro for 1000 and plus uh, the iPad Pro, which looks suspiciously like all of the surfaces. To me, this feels like an iPad Pro competitor, if anything else. I think so. But I think there's a lot of other tablets out there we could compare this against. Like the Galaxy Tab S6 has a similar design, um, but it's a lot smaller, right? It's not a 13 inch. So I don't know. I, I it, it is really expensive, but it's not like Microsoft has shied away from making expensive things in the past. The good news is they've dropped the price for the Surface Pro 7. It's now a 749 starting price with an i3 processor rather than the Pro 6 was, which was 899 for like an i5. Useless, useless. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I've always liked the Pros. To me, I, I feel like those screens are a little too cramped, but I'm sure there's a market for the Pro 7. That's still around if you still want a more traditional PC, something more powerful. Yeah. Wait, with USB-C? With USB-C, USB both of them. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. I, you can charge over USB-C. There is no Thunderbolt 3, which is, I think, kind of a disappointment because that means you can't plug in, like, an external GPU case or something and play games on your Surface. But, oh, well. It's a very oh. sad day in my life when USB-C is the best thing I can get hype about. <laughs> for you know, I have a lot to say about that, Trillin, but I'm going to keep it to myself. 
And I keep oh, that really? to myself. Uh, I think the the star of the show, the star of the entire Surface yeah. event, was Microsoft's dual screen devices, which uh, we heard inklings about. I think the uh, the first one they showed off is the Neo, which is a dual screen, uh, basically a PC running Windows 10X, which is a new variant of the OS for dual screen devices. So that also means we're going to be seeing devices like this from uh, Dell, HP, Lenovo, uh, Asus, I believe. Uh, some of them have been previewed over the past few years. I think at Computex two years ago, mm-hmm. we saw Project Precog, which is Asus, that was Asus's dual screen machine. And I think we we all were like, uh, I don't I don't know if they can actually make this, but uh, go for go for it, Asus. Lenovo said their next Yoga would have dual screens as well. So this seems like this this is the stuff we can look forward to next year. Uh, the Surface Neo is coming holiday season 2020, so they're showing this to us really early to get us ready. And Dev, I have to can say, you tell yeah. me? Sorry, can you tell me a little bit about like 10x and like how window, like how a dual screen OS is going to be a bit different from regular Windows? Yeah, I had so I had a bit of a chat with Microsoft about this, and 10x is it's just Windows 10, but they've kind of rethought it for having two separate displays. So it, it seems like the start menu is a little smarter, right? You can invoke the start menu from either screen. It's not like a dual monitor setup where your start menu lives on like some random screen and then you hit start on one screen and it pops up and then an app pops up in another. Mm. It just seems to make sense. So you can like, um, you can easily swap apps between both screens. You can put up your mail and a web browser on one screen separately. You can have a single app span both screens, which is useful if you want to use it. Use these devices like a tablet or some devices or some apps are going to be optimized for, for that functionality too. So Microsoft showed off the mail app where if you span it, you'll get your, you know, directory of messages on one side of the, one screen and the full message on another. And it's beautiful. I think it's cool. It's, it's a really good look. This is basically the courier design that I've been dreaming of for a while since we saw that thing nearly 10 years ago. And it, it, they're finally making it. I'm very excited uh, there is a slim pen that can magnetically attach to the back of it. There is a uh, keyboard that's also sold separately, like all the other Surface keyboards, damn it. Uh, <laughs> that sticks to the bottom. It can kind of flip up as a normal keyboard. It's sold separately? I thought it's it sold was separately. attached. No, oh, man, no, no. This so is Microsoft, cool. and they're going to make you pay for every little bit. The pen is separate. The keyboard is separate. But the keyboard is pretty cool. It can live behind the Surface Neo and flip up to be used as like a normal keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. And then it turns the little sliver at the top of the screen into something they're calling the wonder bar, which is sort of like the touch bar, basically the touch bar. You mean but the emoji bar? The emoji bar. <laughs> it, could, it could be for shortcuts. It could be for emojis, so many different things. But if you push the keyboard up, if you push the keyboard up right below the top screen, the bottom part of the bottom screen ends up being like a trackpad. It's super smart. So you could use it either way. A friend of mine asked me uh, mm-hmm. if you can close the device completely flat when the keyboard's sitting inside. You can. You, you can. can. And there's yeah. no gaps. I didn't see a gap. Uh, they didn't. So I, I got to be in like a little small room, like looking and touching these things for a little bit, literally 30 seconds with each device. Um, and the other device, by the way, is the Surface Duo, which we're going to talk about. That's the slightly smaller Neo. Uh, but yeah, it closed just fine. It feels really good. The Neo feels. Uh, it's covered in Gorilla Glass, which there's good and bad to, but I think they thought really hard about how the antenna design works for this. So if it were a metal back, it would be tougher, but this thing has a built-in LTE modem. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it can do 
eventually they could just upgrade it with 5g down the line without changing the case much because it's a radio transparent case um it feels good it opens and closes nicely the key to this thing is the hinge and the fact that you know this is a folding device it's not a folding screen but i read about this at engadget um I, I think this is a better design. I think this I, makes I, a lot more sense. I think we defer a little there, but I think we can get into it in a little bit. I yeah, mean, yeah, I, yeah. I was curious because you mentioned we were talking about the OS really quickly. I do mm -hmm. think that the biggest challenge for Microsoft here would be the apps, right? Like they would have to get every developer on board and Windows doesn't have the best history exactly. on that front. You're right. You're right. That's been a problem since Windows 8, right? Like, since they yeah. were trying to push people to making touchscreen apps. That's Yeah, they've acknowledged that. Um, I think th there are definitely some changes where app developers will have to make some some of their own changes. But uh, I, I saw a couple examples of things where the the current Windows Metro app from the Windows Store just worked. It spanned across the screens just fine, or it like it flowed information between the left and right screen just fine. So uh, there's going to be some, you know, learning that these mm -hmm. developers will have to do, but sort of like the jump from the iPhone to the iPad, uh, maybe these devices will be more compelling than the Windows touchscreen apps or the Windows Store. So maybe they'll get more devs on board that way. I hope so. Good luck to them. That maybe the, And that's why, right, Pano said also that that's why they're teasing it a year ahead of time because they want developers to get on board. Like, why yeah. tease it so early, right? I think, yeah, this gives them basically, what, a, a full year of development time before the release. Uh, that's pretty exciting. And also, so there's the other thing. There was a one more thing, which I don't think we've ever seen from Panos. I was very surprised by this. So we were expecting the Neo. Then he went ahead and pulled a smaller dual-screen device from his pocket, and that's the Surface Duo, which is running Android and mm -hmm. has two, uh, I believe, like uh, under six inch screens. Uh, it's pocketable. It, it looks really nice and light, um, certainly much lighter than the Neo. And it looks like something I could easily live with as a phone. What did you think, Charlotte? So I, uh, if I'm not wrong, the spec is they're both 5.6 inch screens. Yes, yes. Um, a lot of people on Twitter, and I mean, I noticed this after they said it, but it looks like two iPad minis stuck together. That's <laughs> what people were saying. I fully agree. I also love people on Twitter for pointing this stuff yeah. out. Or like two, um, it's it's more like two iPhone 6s because it's yeah. small. These are smaller yeah. screens, right? It's yeah. 5.6 inches. The iPad mini yeah. is more like eight or seven inches. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, listen, I have a hard time thinking dual screen phones are going to survive because we've tried and we've tried and we've tried, right? There's been, there's been so many attempts. There's, um, you know, I've written about this a lot and I know folding screens present a whole different challenge. So many is, challenges. That is yeah. very similar. Um, I think though that the software is the huge like make or break here, right? Like if you can present a compelling use case for people to really want to use this thing, yeah, then they're going to buy it. Right now, what we've got is a lot of hype in both in both cases. In both cases. But I think um, I talked to Ralph, I forget his last name, but he's Microsoft's head industrial guy. Uh, basically, I wrote up this piece at Engadget about um, the, the the durability of these two design ideas. So having two screens and like a strong hinge connecting them versus having a single screen that folds itself over, and that would be folding OLED like on the uh, you know the Galaxy Fold, uh, the Huawei Mate X, the Royale. What was that? Flex the Mate X doesn't fold on itself. The Royal Flex Pi, yeah, that one. Right. Well, the Mate X still it folds in a different Outwards. way, but still yeah. it still folds. Um, mm -hmm. And I think there's a fundamentally different, like all sorts of different issues that come with doing a folding screen like that, right? Because then when you're folding the display itself, 
that is dangerous. These are devices that live in our pockets. Like I think opening and shutting a screen itself is bad compared to having two separate screens that just kind of, uh, they're near each other. They're very thin and close to each other, but they're not, it's not the physical display that you're moving. You're just moving the hinge. And I think that's going to go a long way towards durability. So yeah. you got to see this in action and I didn't. Um, the gap in between the two screens, how big is it? It's, I mean, it's noticeable. It's, it's clearly there's a bezel there and clearly there's a hinge there. I think on both the Neo and the Duo, um, I could certainly live with it. It's sort of like having, if you've ever run tool, uh, two monitors and you've had like maybe a little strip of bezel in between them. I think it's perfectly fine. Like you could still use apps in a tablet formation. Uh, but what's interesting too is that you have this clear separation of screen space. So you can think of like one type of app on one side versus one on the other. Whereas, yeah, on a folding phone, you could do that, but there's no, there's less of a clear separation. And yeah. I think that the biggest concern with folding phones is durability, right? Yes. And the hinge and the, the little things that pop up underneath the screen when you jab at it too hard, if you can feel the, the mechanics inside the phone, if you poke at the screen too hard, that's the, some of the issues that have been reported with the Galaxy Fold. Yeah, so Samsung is telling you, keep your Galaxy Fold away from uh, dust or, you know, small, your small, your, your pants, uh, keep it away from liquids. Don't press it too hard with your fingers. And I, I think the issue that hits all of these folding phones is that they really only they fold one way if you fold it the other way you start to like twist it that's bad that's an easy way to break your phone i mean so so okay whatever it is like listen good luck everything's gonna be like in, in <laughs> there's a lot they all have to figure out i will say though microsoft has had a chance to figure out phones for a while sure. and then they went away and then they were like oh we're not gonna touch phones and then also with the naming of the surface duo it's very clear they're staying away from the word phone here. In fact, mm -hmm. I didn't think it was a phone until people were like, this is Android and this is a phone. Yeah. Well, the, the video starts with the person picking up a phone call. Mm -hmm. You know, they put away their their Neo and then they pick up the Duo and they answer a phone call. And it's a small pocketable device. So, yeah, yeah. I, I see on Twitter and certainly in the conversation around this, a lot of people are saying Microsoft refuses to call it a phone. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but they're thinking of this as more of like a multifunction device, I guess. I yeah. guess it's because, again, Microsoft's history with Windows Phone is so yeah. bad. It's bad. It's so bad. They didn't have, what was it like? They had about 2.5% market share as of 2015 when they were still trying. Yeah. Um, and then it and went then downhill from there. Yeah. And then exactly. it died. They weren't, when they stop it, like 2017 is when they killed the platform entirely. You know, that support, is, yeah, yeah that. So I think the clear difference, too, is that this is a very different Microsoft than what we've seen before. So it's not just Windows Phone, right? We saw we saw the Kin, which was released for some reason, uh, I believe, just months before Windows Phone was even launching. And it didn't need to exist. It sold reportedly 503 units or shipped between 1,000 and 10,000 units. No matter how you look at it, an absolute failure. I will say uh, I, I bought one of those. I bought one oh, of those God. on eBay for like 30 bucks. I love it. It feels so good. I, I have an inkling or I have a love for like weird, uh, just weird devices. And the Kins were developed by the, the folks from Danger who made the sidekick. So it has that sort of like sidekick legacy, but it was way too late for the Kin. Uh, Windows Phone, I think, suffered from the same issue, right? It came several years after the iPhone launched, um, after Android launched. They had a decent OS. I think they tried to do something different functionality wide. Like it looked cool. But third-party third support is what really killed them, right? Exactly. Absolutely. And that's what's going to make them or help them this time, hopefully. Uh, but I am heartened or encouraged that they are going with Android. 
for the duo. I think it has a much better shot at success if they go with the with a more popular OS. Which, by the way, Android is like the most popular smartphone OS right now. Sure, the most popular. Eighty like percent of the of the industry of the market. By the way, probably. Sur- yeah, yeah. I was surprised to see that stat. Sorry. Certainly, I mean, in in twenty fifteen, it was eighty two percent. I will say, yeah. uh, there were those stories about like high school kids in America and how they all shun the people with Android phones. So I wonder, Microsoft does not have a solution for that. I just think it's hilarious. That's where we are as a society. Uh, but yeah, Windows Phone kind of failed with third party apps. Uh, I think the hardware is always interesting. They bought Nokia, which was kind of a mess, but they tried i think they tried really hard they just failed at a platform level and i think now certainly with this they're not launching a whole new form platform right they're they're just launching this one thing running android that functions a little differently and i think this is a more focused way of approaching phones and probably smarter for them right we'll see we'll see there's there's not there's people who've been trying to make dual screen or folding android phones we just have to see if microsoft has what it takes they i mean they have proven they're good at hardware with other devices right like the pro is really great and then the laptop too i just freaking love you know what i mean i think the one thing that really gives me a lot more faith in the neo and the duo compared to a lot of other devices is it's really that hinge microsoft has been perfecting hinges since the first surface uh it was kind of rough at the beginning right remember the first surface really only had like what two directions or like Mm -hmm. one one or two notches for how you could actually position the kickstand and then eventually they moved to like this really cool omnidirectional hinge and they've just been doing this work that i think a lot of the pc industry has tried to copy certainly lenovo has gone really hard on like trying to mimic those hinges samsung too yeah 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 it's a weird thing to bring up, but I think it's really important here because the hinge the hinge is the key. The hinge is what connects these devices uh, or these two screens. And they've also developed like this new, uh, very tiny coaxial cable technology that hooks up the two screens. So that's a point of failure that, that could be an issue. But Does I think that live in the hinge? I'm sorry. It goes through the hinge and it basically oh. connects the screens. Um, but to me, that is far less uh, worrisome than like a an entire folding screen and all the issues we've seen around that yeah i i will say it's not like hinges aren't important in folding screens you know what i mean they, yeah, they yeah, are yeah. important there too and companies like samsung huawei and tcl are going ham talking about their hinges too yeah their hinges are good but they have to move the screen i think that's the key for me yeah microsoft does you, not have to move the key of the screen yeah you mentioned that the fold which you have touched um yeah. and the duo just felt different when you're opening them right like you said that it feels more like the surface one has a more smooth kind of movement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very it's very confident it's a weird way to describe it it's sort of like um the difference between like opening and shutting a really expensive car, you know, like a BMW versus like a Honda Civic. And there is a smoothness. There's a really strength to the motion that I think is really, it feels very strong to me. It yeah. sounds like there's the same amount of resistance as you open, say the duo all the way open and then lay it flat compared to the fold, which sort of has this spring mechanism towards the end where it kind of flops about a little bit and doesn't feel as sturdy, right? It's a little floppy. It's like just holding the fold. I feel like I'm holding this fragile little uh, little object. Whereas with the duo and the neo, it's like, oh, you're... You're a jewelry case. You are protecting the precious screen. You're protecting the precious internals when it's closed. And that's also something you don't really get with the folding screens. And I just want to point out, the folding screens are basically plastic. There is nothing protecting those um, because glass doesn't fold, everybody. Newsflash. Glass doesn't fold. And the, the other big benefit here is that Microsoft can have Gorilla Glass screens. 
and, and have them completely sealed off from the world when you know it's in your pocket. I think that's a big okay. deal. I just want to do my job for all the people who know I'm a phone reviewer and point out that the, the LG has a similar setup with the the V, I believe it's, what is it, the G8X ThinQ now that I saw at IFA, and um, it is a snap-on case that adds a dual screen to it, so it's a it's very not, similar setup. Yeah, yeah, people in the comments were telling me this. is like, oh, LG's phone with a snap-on case <laughs> where you plug in something else. Oh, yeah, that's clearly as seamless as it's uh, not. What I am with you. Is it is not. Here. It is not the same thing. You actually even have to slide the phone into the yeah. case and connect yeah. it via USB C. Um, it, it is a very <laughs> strange workaround to a problem. Um, whereas yeah. this duo is an actual dual screen device that they're both connected to each other all the time. Yep. I wonder what that means for battery life. But I'm not going to speculate too much. We'll here. see. I will also say they're both very, very thin. Like the screens are very thin. So even though you're folding these things and sandwiching these screens together, I think their thinness that could hurt battery life. But in terms of functionality, they feel really good. Um, unfortunately, yes, unfortunately, we won't be seeing those for another year. So stay tuned for more on that. Let's talk about Surface Laptop 3, which I think is kind of here's the thing about the Surface Laptop. It is just an ultra portable PC. I really like the first one. Trillin, you reviewed the last one, right? I love my laptop too. I love it. Yeah. And it feels good. I think uh, it had a couple issues in that uh, very limited port availability with oh. the earlier ones. You just had one USB-A port, which I know uh, really hurt you when we were trying to live blog oh, this Microsoft I, I was event. ready to kill someone, <laughs> yes. Because you brought two computers just to deal with that. So the Surface Laptop 3 adds a USB-C port instead of the mini display port. So that opens up all sorts of new functionality uh, there. It's not a Thunderbolt 3 connection, unfortunately, uh, just like the Surface Pro 7. And so, yeah, that, that's a downside. The other interesting thing is that there's a 15-inch version now of the Laptop 3. And that is kind of interesting because it's like... Um, it doesn't feel significantly heavier than the 13-inch model. It comes in at 3.5 pounds, uh, which is a half pound lighter than the MacBook Pro 13-inch, and I think slightly more than a half pound heavier than the 13-inch Surface Laptop. It just feels good. It feels like impossibly light for its weight. Um, the keyboard is still fantastic. Uh, Microsoft knows how to make keys with actual travel, uh, unlike Apple's glass thing that I hate so much. Um, it feels really good. And the, the other thing too, is that you can plug in an AMD processor into the 15 inch version and an AMD chip with uh, Ryzen graphics, two different types of Ryzen graphics. So you could play some games, but I think more interestingly, you could also use it for like uh, video encoding or any like GPU accelerated functions, right? The other thing that really stood out for me is that wasn't this supposed to be modular? And that I think that's what you're talking about, right? That mm -hmm. you can like lift up the keyboard case and about the plugs or the parts if you're a little it, it's modular so they did show this off it's modular in terms of like repairs so mm. microsoft was clearly like you shouldn't do this at home but if you bring your laptop to be repaired somewhere it won't like they won't have to replace the entire computer just to change the keyboard or just to change a piece of hardware i think that's the main takeaway so it makes the laptop 3 much more useful for it people I used to be an IT person. Uh, I always appreciated being able to kick open a device and just swap out what I needed rather than buy something new or replace it entirely. So that's who that part is for. Um, certainly, it, it'll make the Surface Laptop more intriguing for corporate customers. I think that's a big thing there. I mean, I love I love the laptop too, and I was surprised to see that the 15-inch really wasn't all that much different from the 13-inch. I honestly <laughs> couldn't tell them apart. Yeah. Uh, and compared to the rest of 15-inch laptops on the market right now, I, I mean, I am impressed because the Dell XPS 15, which I recently reviewed, 
it's just it's like surprisingly like a behemoth compared to the laptop 15 i mean the it looks like 3. it did uh, the dell also looks like it did like three or four years ago too they haven't changed the yeah. design much it's, it's uh it's super chunky it's kind of disappointing i know you like the lg gram 15 as well it's, the 15 and also actually the LG Gram 17 was what really impressed yeah. me the more. It was yeah. a 17 inch machine that felt like a 15 inch, which, you know, maybe Microsoft will get there someday. The downside here is that you still have very, fairly limited ports, right? The XPS 15, the good thing about that and other workhorse machines like that is you get every single freaking port you need. You get Absolutely. HDMI, you get USB A, you get USB C, you get everything. And you don't really have that with the Surface laptop. You'd have to plug in a hub or one of those cool USB C things you have, Sherlyn. I, I have a lot of cool USB-C things, it's true. Um, I agree. I mean, my Dell XPS 15 is everything I could want out of it. Yes, HDMI and a micro SD card reader or an SD card reader, which is important for my job. But, um, I mean, I'm not opposed to plugging around a tiny little USB hub to get all of that. It's um, the way of the world now, yeah. My main concern would just be battery life. Obviously, the XPS 15 isn't meant to be taken with you on the go since it's so heavy, so battery life isn't a huge concern. But with something like the laptop, three 15 inch you, you know you get more it, you get more yeah it also crossed. it bridges a gap first of all the laptop the surface laptop battery life was always good so certainly yeah. they can fit in more it bridges a um it bridges microsoft's product line between the laptop and the surface book 2 which is much bigger much heavier much more expensive and to me, that always felt like overkill for somebody who just wanted something a little more powerful. So I think that's who the Surface Laptop 3 15 inches for. The person who may be doing some video editing, some audio editing, and doesn't need to go all the way to the Surface Book or something. I mean, let's get it in and test it out. And then yeah. we can see what it does. Right? Coming soon. Right. Yeah, we'll be reviewing all these things soon. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's a, it's a busy season over here at Engadget. So we, we we saved this for the last of the day, just because I don't think we were like in any hurry to get to this product uh, that they announced at the show. <laughs> this was like 4 p.m. They were chasing us out of the event. It was and not even 4 p.m. They chased us out super early. I, I have beef. I beef against Microsoft and how they managed this event because there, there's a lot of stuff going on. But it was the last thing we saw. Yes. Yeah. After pumping out like two hands-ons each, we both <laughs> ran into this little audio booth inside the Microsoft event and we tested out the new Surface earbuds. And I have to say, I love them. I know I've said this about a lot of things today, but I love these earbuds. <laughs> it sounds like you like Microsoft devices, Sherlyn. Interesting. Oh man, it, I might be a PC nerd, which is funny to that one person who accused me of being an Apple fan on Twitter. No, I'm not. They don't anyway, know you at all. Okay. They do not know me. But uh, the earbuds here are um, very interesting. They're a, you said this was like a weird new take on earbuds. And in terms think, of like the way the, the tips fit into your ears. Right, exactly. So, so Microsoft has focused a lot on the ergonomics and the comfort and the fit of the earbuds. Um, and I won't say that they've neglected audio quality in the effort to pursue that because we just haven't compared them to Bose or, or Sony's yeah. yet. It was also a very loud room, so I couldn't, I can't judge audio yeah. quality there. It yeah. sounded okay, but yeah. whatever it is, here is it. I am a person who has very sensitive ears. I have had issues with cerumen impaction. I'm using the scientific mm -hmm. term so that you don't get squeamish about what it actually is. <laughs> But if you have clogged ear holes like I do, you don't like in earbuds, okay? And they're gonna like be itchy, they're gonna be whatever. You don't wanna push things inside your ear canal further. But the surface earbuds are different. They, they feel so comfortable. The tip that extends inside your ear canal is very small, so I didn't feel it like it was poking inside at all. So what you do with these 
Um, the buds themselves are, if you've seen the pictures, a lot bigger than your typical earbuds um, that are truly wireless. They they look like uh, what is it? Those gauge gauges. earrings? Yeah, yeah gauges. They look like gauge earrings. Huge, um, huge headphones. Gigantic for for truly wireless earbud standards. Mm -hmm. But um, it gives you a lot more control over how to hold them and how you can touch the panel um, or, or swipe up and down on it. What it is is you put the each earbud into your um, ear with the tip pointing down. And then when it's inside your ear, you kind of like twist it upwards uh, counterclockwise and it will just sit in there. It's as if you've like locked something in your ear. Like you've turned a key and it's like locked in place. That's terrifying, by the way. This is our future, just locking devices onto our bodies. I, I, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. But it feels good. It feels secure. I felt it. I thought it was all right. Yeah. I really liked it. I mean, I could go on forever about how important fit is. That's the main reason I've been looking for uh, AirPods or even Huawei's FreeBuds 3, which have no, you know, bits that poke into your ear canal either. And I'm surprised and honestly kind of shook that Microsoft was the one that figured this out, that like some form of in-ears that fit comfortably. It's a really cool design. Uh, and their designer said that they worked really hard in terms of like making something that you could basically wear all day and forget they're in your ears. And I have very weird ears. So I think I have your opposite problem where my ears are huge and I think one is bigger than the other. So like I have to like figure out like the exact kind of like tip size and everything it felt pretty good it didn't feel as secure as i'd like and i think the the tester was like you may be one of the three percent of people on the planet with like a weird like i don't know like the, the weird uh first part of my ear maybe too Aww. large to sit comfortably but anyway it sounded good it fit all right uh it's certainly better than the airpods which literally i cannot walk and use airpods i can barely sit still and use airpods they just do not stay in my ears so what yeah. what earbuds can you use I like, so I actually like the in-ear buds because uh, you can, they're more secure. So I really like the new Sony's, the WF-1000XM3s. Uh, Billy Steel and Gadget reviewed those. I did the preview. They feel amazing. They they're, they sound amazing. Not the best for exercise. And when it comes to exercise, I really like um, Jaybird's. They, they're uh, free run XTs, I believe. And also Jabra makes some really good ones. So a yeah. ton of companies make great wireless earbuds right now. Microsoft is just doing something very different. I mean, Amazon also just announced that they're making Echo earbuds. And, sure. you know, what it is, I think, between Amazon, Microsoft, big names like Huawei jumping into the fray here means that, like, this, the ear, earbud makers like Jaybird or Jabra might have difficulty um, kind of, like, standing out they really have to go further into their niche right yeah definitely i think they listen competition is good these are premium uh you know wireless earbuds whereas jaybird and a lot of the others are doing like mid-range stuff um the jabras in particular are pretty inexpensive and then you have companies like Anker, which are just like doing straight up like airpod uh copies but they have real silicone tips too so that is nice like they they actually stay in my ears and those things go for like 70 80 bucks so there's there's a broad range right now i think there's going to just be a lot of options for everybody whether your you know concern is budget or whether your concern is audio quality you can go for the sony ones if you want better sound and as for the microsoft ones i just want to point out they're actually pretty unique too you can use them to like live caption your PowerPoint slideshows, which I tried out. I mean, like it seems kind of um, like a, a novelty right now. Like you might not actually use it, but if you're presenting to people who are hard of hearing, 
it, it might actually be very useful. And then eventually they're going to add live translation as well, which is the dream, I think. It looks cool. It sounds like they've spent a lot of time thinking about the microphones on these. So each has two microphones. They do a good job of like capturing what you're saying. Um, the other thing too is that these aren't sealed designs, which is kind of nice too. Like they're still open, uh, which is good because you'll still hear the complete outside world while you're hearing your music. It's not great if you're going to be on the subway or something. Like this is an issue I have with a lot of headphones. So it depends on how you're going to be using them. Um, I think for people who want to have something they wear in the office all day for phone calls, for transcription work, for all this sort of stuff, and for music it seems like a thing you can just wear and not worry about. So that's super cool. Right. There's no noise canceling either. Um, and then since we love Twitter so much, can I also say there's a funny tweet about these earbuds? I'm sorry, but will I am. Oh no. It's not, it's kind of upset at Microsoft. <laughs> kind. I am underselling how upset he is. There is a whole movement, I think about hashtag copycat uh, <laughs> that he's tweeted out. So apparently according, to a tweet that he posted he went and talked to microsoft about these designs for earbuds that he had and i mean the picture uh, that he shared looks a lot similar like they're round they're both round yeah they're both round they both look like gauges mm -hmm. the will i am um, version looks like it sits a little lower in your ear i don't know if there's any truth or credibility to this i don't think will i am would willingly post pictures if he didn't think that he was right um so i'm curious to see how this all unfolds but yeah, it just was funny. It's a little rough. And Will I Am's version has like they're wireless, but they have like the little uh, cable connecting them, which honestly I prefer. I prefer you on like all necklace? these phones. I like the necklace because when I'm done using these headphones, I could just let them like dangle there instead of like with these wireless ones, you got to find the case, you mm. got to put it somewhere. And then I lose them in my shirt pockets. I lose them in different things. Like it's not great. Not a great user experience. Um, anyway, we're looking forward to testing these out. These look pretty I... cool. And I will say it's like, yeah, it's it's nice to see Microsoft differentiating again. Okay, Sherlyn, back to our initial question. We've just dove into all of Microsoft's new Surface stuff. Are they making better PCs than Apple now? I, I mean, I mean, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's putting aside Mac OS versus Windows. Okay, just on the hardware. Yes. Sure. Yes. I mean. Apple has done certain things in the past, like eradicate all ports but one USB-C that have made me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But And it's not like the rest of the industry hasn't followed along. But Microsoft this past week or you know this, this past year even has just made me sit up and be like, yo, you guys can do some great stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and as a PC reviewer or as a laptop reviewer, it's just been really exciting to be a fan of like PCs, oh, Windows laptops. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I will say I presented this question uh, to the podcast in general because it's something that's been percolating in my mind for a bit. And I think certainly for the past couple of years, Microsoft has been making better PCs than Apple uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, Sherlyn. Um, it still shocks me that the MacBook Pro, the Pro machine has four USB-C connections, which don't really mm -hmm. connect to any many devices that are out, uh, certainly when that thing launched. And even today, it's still kind of a mess. You still need a hub. Um, those sorts of things. The keyboards, I will never forgive Apple for these uh, these weird keyboards that are, feel so flat. And it's like you're typing on glass. Uh, meanwhile, Apple, um, well, meanwhile, Microsoft can give us decent key travel in a freaking tablet case. You know, mm. like that is astounding to me. So I think between functionality, between innovation and just good value for a consumer. I think Microsoft is just doing so many cool and interesting things. So 
I would say wholeheartedly yes. And it's not like it's not like I hate Apple. I just want I want them to do better. I think um I think they've been stuck in like this weird Johnny Ive uh I don't know, like really closed vision zone where like I'm sure Johnny Ive was like, "Man, we can have symmetrical USB-C ports on the MacBook Pro. Let's do wow. it. Screw wow. functionality. Let's just make it symmetrical because that's what all it is." I don't. I don't know if you're. I don't know if you should go there because your your mentions are gonna be. I'm used fired. to it. I'm used to it, Trillin. Like I, you know, I do movie podcasts. I have opinions. It's totally fine. Uh, anyway, I my takeaway: yes, Microsoft is making better PCs than Apple. I, I as a person who means PCs and occasionally uses MacBooks, all right, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna just say that I I see the appeal of MacBooks sometimes because they used to be the leaders in hardware design. You know, yes. when the first MacBook Air came out. Good lord, that was gorgeous, right? And then now it's like, come on, update something. Um, so we'll see. I mean, maybe Apple is about to step it up. But first, fix your darn keyboards. Like, seriously, people's yeah. missing keys are a huge problem. You cannot let this happen. They revised like, it, and they're still having trouble. They're it's still having problems. Hilarious. <laughs> Meanwhile, all of us on Windows are, like, typing away our full, legible, complete sentences. It feels so yes. good. It feels so good. Eat that, Apple. <laughs> How do you like them apples? Let's move on to Engadget Picks. And this is a collection of things we just, things we love. You know, the world is, uh, is, is kind of a tough place these days, <laughs> sometimes. Uh, so let's talk about a few things that just bring us joy. And I want to bring up Untitled Goose Game. which You is, and the rest of the world, Devendra. It's so good. It's so good. The goose, goose is love. Goose is everything. This game is a perfect way to relax in a super stressful world. It's basically Hitman. As a goose, <laughs> it brings in all those stealth mechanics in a fun, like, low-risk way, too. Like, you can't die. You can't really lose. You'll just get shooed away by people. Um, it, it It's cool. It's cool. The, the goose is an agent of chaos. Goose has no philosophy. It's just pain. It's just, like, you know, stir crap up, and I kind of love it. Uh, the game just gives you a checklist of things to do to mess up people's lives, and that's it. That's the game. I kind of love it. There's no overarching narrative there. I listen. I've seen. I've seen the trailers. I've watched my friends play. <laughs> I've just not wanted to play because I am a goose in real life, you know. And our producer this Ben is, is like saying peace was never an option with the goose game, and that's that's their whole mantra. That goose. Meanwhile, I'm looking for some inner peace, you know. So yeah. I don't. Shirlin is a goose like, that wants peace. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a goose in real life who's just looking to play an rpg about going to the spa you know what i mean listen you um, can do all that and i know you were super excited about what getting a switch eventually too right oh so you could, you could do all that i want to buy the switch light so i can play an rpg about going getting a massage i think that's that's my goal <laughs> but my pick is uh -huh. a game that my friend recommended me it's called baba is you and i think dev you've heard of this game it's just I a have. puzzle game it's a logic game it you know, test the limits of what you think is real, what are definitions of life, what is you, you know what I mean? And <laughs> I've been playing a phone version of it, which is not as challenging as the Switch version. It's, it's you know, if you're an intellectual, like I would like to think I am, hmm. then you Debatable. should Debatable. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> y'all. Speaking of phone games, by the way, I just want to throw a shout out to Apple Arcade, which is, uh, it's kicking butt. I, I wrote the preview. I thought you didn't Gadget. like Apple. I thought you didn't like Apple. I like Apple Arcade. Um, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. A little back and forth here. Uh, I am an iPhone user. Like, here's the thing. Uh, so I don't, I, I think Android is kind of a mess as an OS. Whoa. This is a topic for a future episode. Okay. Apple Arcade. 
is their subscription service five bucks a month you get access to it's going to be up to 100 games uh this fall uh it is fantastic it's a great value and the games are amazing i flew to the uh the oculus connect conference last week and i just played what the golf the entire time (laughs) and it is one of the best games i've played this year probably gonna end up being in my top games of the year um, it's a cool little golf game that has these mechanics that just like evolve over time and ends up becoming like a love letter to games all around. And I'm just having all these cool experiences with Apple Arcade. I really like Overland. I like um, there, there's a card game. There's a it's like a puzzle game where you're moving cards around with the touchscreen. I forget the name. It is everything is good. Everything is good on Apple Arcade, and you can play it on your iPad, iPhone, Mac, Apple TV. You could spread your performance kind of across all the systems i think that's pretty cool all right i'm just gonna shout out google stadia that's it that's that's, that's it's the tweet not, it's not even comparable i know but that's it that's Stadia's cloud you know I mean? gaming don't, yeah. don't make me go real gamer guy on you Sherlin. but yeah stadia, oh stadia you did not just cool. do that Stadia's oh. cool but actually just after apple arcade launched google was like uh here's google play subscription <laughs> five dollars a month for yeah games that are on android i just uh, as as the main google girl at engadget i kind of have to just point it out i just have to do my job and be like listen cd is cool cd is yeah. cool i'm gonna be very excited to talk about cd because i think by the end of this year we're gonna have some really cool game streaming options uh this is why the podcast is coming back by the way this is we want to have these conversations i love having these chats uh i love yelling at sherlyn uh, we're gonna bring you do on, every day. We're going to bring on all of the Engadget folks to, yes. to do this and to dive into what we love and hate about tech. Let's wrap things up. Once again, shoot us a note at podcast at Engadget.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review. Anything cool. Sherlyn, where can we find you on the internet these days? Try not to send me nasty tweets at Sherlyn Lowe, C-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N-L-O-W. And you can find me at, at Devendra on Twitter. That's D-E-V-I-N-D-R-A. Uh, I'm writing about cool stuff in Engadget. I podcast about movies and TV at SlashFilm.com at the SlashFilmCast there. Uh, go subscribe to that if you want to yell at me for my movie tastes. And with that, we're out.